welcome back to the fourth episode of the Partnership Podcast. It's a girl, Monica Lee, and it feels amazing to be back for another week. I hope you've all been staying safe, keeping well, and just doing everything in your power to just remain as healthy as possible and not forgetting to just be around your loved ones. But first and foremost, I have to say, I am wishing all the John Lewis partners good luck with tomorrow's opening. Finally, the stores are reopening just in time for Christmas. And I'll be so honest with you, it just feels like there is some sense of normality creeping back in. And as a partnership, we know once Christmas is around the corner, it means the peak is approaching. So much work to do, but it doesn't mean that we're not ready to tackle this. But let's get into this episode. So last week, we heard a little about retail customers love and what that means for John Lewis, which looks at the home offer. This week, we're looking at what that means for Waitrose. And we've got a special message from James Bailey, Executive Director of Waitrose, who will be talking about his vision for Waitrose. In order to achieve our ambition, in Waitrose, we must focus on what we are famous for and be the ultimate destination for food and drink when quality, ethics and service matter to customers. We will achieve this through relentless customer focus in everything we do. We need to also develop product ranges which are brilliantly curated, constantly innovated and locally relevant. Today we're talking to the innovation team in Waitrose to hear about the work they are doing. Uh, today we're talking about retail customers love in Waitrose and joining me today is Natalie Mitchell, Director of Technical Quality Innovation and Supplier and Martin Lee, Manager, Product Innovation and Executive Chef. Those are some quite long titles guys. Um, Natalie, tell me a bit about yourself please. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Um, yes. So, um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm really lucky to have the role that I do, to be honest. It's a fantastic role. And I've been doing it um, just since um, August of this year. Um, I guess it's sort of three distinct areas, really. Um, product innovation. So that's the team that, I guess, dream up the amazing food that um, you'll see land on our, on our shelves. And that includes things such as um, packaging development and the like. Um, I also have quality and technical, uh, so a very important team that can uh, you know, keep our, uh, our customers safe and legal, which is um, very important given the trusted nature of the brand that, that, that we've got. Uh, and then supplier management, so uh, they're, a, they're a team of two halves really. Uh, one side is commercial management, which is a very small but um, perfectly formed team, should I say, um, and they're real expert negotiators that the broader teams sort of pull on to ensure that we're paying the appropriate uh, prices for, for the products that we sell. Uh, and um, we do this with, you know, foreign exchange and looking at commodity prices, what have you. And the other side of the team is the media team. So, um, yeah, an, an interesting, um, diverse mix, um, but um, lots of opportunities to bring them together. Been with the partnership for 19 years, so I'm not a newbie. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, um, prior to that in e-commerce and buying, and prior to that with Sainsbury's. That's probably me. Wow, that's uh, a very diverse uh, job role there. Uh, and, and Martin, uh, you're actually quite new to the partnership. You joined uh, earlier this year. I did. Uh, hi, Bupesh. Thanks for inviting me on today. It's, it's great to be here to talk about 
the partnership podcast and retail. Yeah, I, I, I don't have the, the 19 years anywhere near that uh, that Natalie has. I joined back in February of this year. So I got about three weeks in the office before lockdown number one. Um, yes, I do have what sounds quite a long title, but executive chef is is absolutely fine for me. And what I do is I look after the food innovation team. And we are a team comprising of senior development chefs, uh, an innovation and trends manager, as well as the team that run our fantastic food innovation studio over in Bracknell. We really work in three distinct spaces, I suppose. The first of which is taking trends and customer data off the page and onto the plate um, for the future. So that's coming up with concepts that typically are around uh, two to two and a half, maybe even three years ahead. We then also work right in the here and now with our product developers and our product development trio, which consists of the developer, the buyer and the technologists. And that's really about working on the, the next product launches. So the things that are going to be launching typically in the next six to nine months. And then finally, we also work quite heavily with our PR teams to advocate and celebrate new product launches. So you may have seen us um, doing our little bits and pieces on Instagram or in certain newspaper articles recently, talking about some of our fantastic Christmas products. Well, and they definitely are fantastic. Having visited Waitrose recently, uh, I'm, I've been stocking up. Uh, but thanks for explaining your roles. Um, in this week's podcast, uh, we're focusing on retail customers love, which is the element of the partnership plan. Uh, Natalie, can you tell us some of the exciting new things we have got coming down the line in Waitrose? Yes, sure. So um, I suppose what I would call out, I mean, as Martin said, he's only, he said he'd only been um, in the business for three weeks before lockdown and, and, and you know, to, not to make him blush, to be fair, he's made an enormous impact since since he's, he's since he's come into the business and um, we've made some great inroads in terms of the development that's coming down the track so as we've um, already mentioned Christmas um, we've got lots of exciting um, launches within our Christmas range some of which you know we are already on the shelves and some of which is still to come actually so more fresh food to launch in the next couple of weeks which is really exciting uh, another launch that's coming up, which is next uh, month, is a launch of uh, a new range of health and well-being products under what we're calling a holistic living kind of banner. Uh, it's more than just a traditional health uh, kind of um, approach, um, so not less necessarily focused on things like diet, but it's about giving customers the choice, really, to live their very best life. And it could be in the future things like focusing on sleep or nutrition or creating balance or, or, or what have you. So we've got um, a couple of propositions, um, relatively small in uh, the start of next uh, year under a brand new design scheme, uh, which is quite different um, that you probably haven't seen in, in Waitrose before and more and bigger to come in September. So um, basically, you know, products that are suited to particular life stages. So it might be, you know, in the future supporting teenagers who might benefit from improved cognitive functions or um, having the right nutritional benefits for the right time of your life and then gut health as well which is an update of the current um, love your gut range which is pretty small to be fair at the moment um, but we're expanding into new, new categories so um, excitingly these products are all going to come with a first market um, gut health claim um, but much more to come um, starting with the, uh, the year with supporting customers with health and well-being which clearly quite frankly at the moment is really important and we have got some other major launches coming down the track in uh, half one. Um, and as I've heard in previous podcasts, 
it's probably a bit too early to share, but we've got some really, really exciting plans, which we hope um, everybody will be really excited about in the, in the coming year. Thanks for that teaser, Natalie. I'm definitely looking forward to see what's coming up uh, next year. Um, Waitrose makes a big point about the quality of its products, but can you tell us why is quality important to Waitrose and to our customers? Sure. I mean, I, I think quality always has been and actually it always, it always will be important to, I think, both us as partners and our customers as well. Um, amongst lots and lots of aspects, obviously, um, I think quality really does define the Waitrose brand. And our customers ha have always expected high quality of us and, and when they buy into Waitrose products that, to be fair, the job that we as a team do is to absolutely make sure that we don't disappoint customers when they when they get their products um, home and, and, and they taste them or drink them or, or, or in the non-food space that the efficacy is, 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 is right. I think um, I've probably drawn a bit of past experience here. So I remember, I, I remember going back to 2008 during the last significant recession. And what we did see was um, a lot of our competitors cutting corners. Um, and there's there's one example that we that we draw on a lot of the time. So um, our ham, which doesn't have um, any added water, which uh, does happen in our competitors, and we could have taken a really short term decision to inject water basically into our ham, which would mean that the prices would come down, um, which is you know very very easy to do, very short term decision that we could make to to make a little bit more money. But actually, fundamentally, it, it isn't and wasn't the right thing to do then. So I think it's it's really important that we don't take our um, hand you know hand off the tiller, and that we are always always thinking about quality in everything that we do, um, and that it you know it's something that customers value and are prepared to pay for as well. So always has been, but always will continue to be uh, at the forefront of uh, what we do, and it's it's in our DNA. Thank you. I'm sure partners are glad to hear that uh, quality will never drop at Waitrose. Um, Martin, could you explain what does quality mean? How do we define it through the products that we sell? Quality is a really interesting space and it can mean an awful lot to, you know, in, in different areas of the business. And I think it's, it's not necessarily um, what you might think about it. So the, there is a balance between quality and price and what our customers expect to pay and what they would value for it. And actually, if, if you unpick the, the product that you would pick off shelf, you, there are different elements of quality within that. So, for instance, if you look at one of our ready meals and in particular our beef bourguignon, then you might think that absolutely that's all about um, the quality of the meat that goes in there. And that that's not always just about... The, the, the type of meat, whether it's, you know, the, the, the top breed. Actually, it's all about choosing the right cuts or the right cooking methods for it, which absolutely impacts, impacts really highly on the taste and texture of the finished product. And other times it might be what it's packaged in. So is the tray recyclable? Um, is it made of recycled material? So again, for some of our customers, that lens is really, really important too. Um, there are a whole heap of other words that we would look to um, to define quality, whether it's taste, whether it's the welfare standards, the, the freshness of the spices used or the process they go through. 
Is it British provenance, the recyclable packaging that we've just talked about? Texture, for me as a chef, is one of the most important things. The enjoyment of food often comes not only from the, from the flavour, but the texture, um, making sure that things are crispy and crunchy where they need to be, or whether it's silky smooth and, um, and decadent where it needs to be. Those are really important when we, when we um, overlay quality too. It's probably also worthwhile saying, Martin, isn't it, that I think it, you know quality isn't as simple as it sounds. Given all, all of the words that you've used, it's pretty multifaceted. And I think one of the things that is really important to us as a team is making sure that we really understand the customer as well and what is important to them in different categories. Because as Martin said, you know, in meat, something like welfare would be incredibly important in a can of baked beans something different would, would be important in that area. So I think making sure that we've got the right customer insight and data that sort of really draws out where we need to dial up, but also where we need to dial down um, and make sure that the, the product itself is, re is reflecting what, what customers want and need and that, that it's really adding value as well. Absolutely. And when we look at the product um, singularly, this is where my team, the food innovation team, really come into their own. Chefs have built their craft understanding the building blocks of taste and flavour. And like I said earlier, it's not about just having the best or most expensive ingredients. It is so much more than that. If you think about restaurants, they will build their menus often around transforming the most humble of ingredients. Um, the, the trendy vegetable of the moment is the cauliflower. And imagine what you could do to transform that and turn it into a really quality offering. Um, and then in the meat world, we know that unpopular cuts of meat have the most flavour. And the skill of the chef is, is knowing how to eke out every ounce of flavour. And for us, that's no different. Only the pots and pans that we have to use are larger to produce the volume that we require for our customers. So there is no one single answer to what defines quality. Loads and loads of different things have to go into it to make sure that our product offer is absolutely correct for our customer. Thanks both. It's so interesting to hear that quality can mean different things depending on, on the products that you're looking at. Um, but uh, Natalie, as a long-standing partner, maybe you can talk to us about what is different about what Waitress is now doing compared to what we've tried in the past. Sure. I mean, I guess, I guess the biggest thing um, is the Food Innovation Studio, actually, which is, I say, it's relatively new now. It's a couple of, year, couple of years old now. Um, but I, it was, a, you know, a real commitment um, to championing um, high quality food. And, and that's really about increasing uh, the pace of innovation that we're going at and making sure that we're really delivering on, you know, cutting edge and um, really differentiated um, products. And again, appointing Martin at the beginning of the year um, has, has been really important. But it's also about how we look at, our, the, you know, look at quality, as Martin has already spoke, spoken about, and the methodologies that we use to define current quality versus future quality. And I guess the more sophistication that we've put in place over time, whether it be you know, complaints data that we draw from branches or uh, data and insight that we collect from our customers, um, uh, you know, the database uh, from, from my waitrose or you know, from ratings and reviews, which are you know, clearly visible to to everybody in terms of um, you know how customers rate us and, and my goodness they definitely vote with on ratings and reviews so we're pretty quick to respond in that area but I'm sure sure Martin may have other things to share on in this space as well yeah I think certainly in my 
relatively short space within the partnership. You know, I came in beginning of February, got a, a few weeks um, within the partnership to kind of do that little bit of analysis and identifying opportunities as you naturally do when joining any new uh, new team and new business. Um, but lockdown came in very quickly and presented its own challenges, but also some quite unique opportunities for my team because we're, we're no longer constrained by physical space. So it meant we were able to engage with a broader audience, bring food to more people. So not only that, we were embracing the technology um, that was available to us. So we started um, hosting cook-alongs for our teams, um, for our developers, our buyers and technologists, which really focused on the future food trends um, in, a, in a way that actually gave the people the opportunity to cook along and taste along with us, which was, was very different and very new. Um, what we also then did was put that into our suppliers' hands as well. You know, I don't think um, previously we had shared as much information in terms of our, um, our recipes with our tr most trusted of suppliers. Um, so by doing that and doing cook-alongs with those guys as well, we gave them the ultimate and clear direction because they were able to taste exactly what we were talking about and what we were thinking about. Um, we then brought it out to new teams as well. So our category management teams and strategy teams as well, which also got more people talking about food. At the end of the day, you know, embracing and fostering that spirit of food within teams is really important. We are a food business at heart. We also then um, looked at the data um, of when teams are accessing our food trends information as well. So we then learned when best to, to drop our outputs uh, and information to make sure they were used to their fullest um, and to land with the most impact. So we looked at new formats and we have our very own podcast, which is now 28 episodes in, which is all around the food trends space and world. Um, and it's in a different way for our, our partners to consume at the same time. So it's all about food trends and keeps the conversation live. And it's going strong, Martin. You've got some an amazing amount of followers, haven't you, into those podcasts already? Yeah, we really have. We're, we've got about um, 500 unique listeners um, to the Talking Trends podcast. And it's, it's very small. It's easy to consume. But what it is, you know, the, the thing, whenever you do anything as big as uh, creating a yearly trend book the moment you publish it it's out of date and the food trend space is always changing and you know never a year has been like this year that we've just had and food trends have dialed up in one space and dialed down in another so you know in order to to keep that conversation live and make sure that the trends that we're talking about actually a podcast format is absolutely ideal and, you know, we're all working from home. We might want to dip out and not have to um, look at our screens quite so often. So having an audio format of the of our content has gone down really, really well. It's probably probably also worthwhile adding, actually. I think, again, going back to what we did and what we do going forwards is around more customer testing as well. Um, mm. So I think, you know, previously we had, you know, we we probably paid independent agencies for, you know, for impartial views and what have you. Yeah. But, um, you know, many partners might not, might not be aware that I think we've got a database of around six or 700 partners 
within the Bracknell campus actually that we've um, in inverted, in inverted commas recruited um, to be part of part of the customer panel um, mainly for logistics reasons because it's obviously all centered around the, the Bracknell campus but um, you know we use that that customer panel on, on a number of occasions and, and and a lot of the time where we've got sort of specific reasons you know it might be free from or vegetarian and vegan where you know people are making a lifestyle choice or you know they've got a specific dietary requirements so that's definitely something that we've up the ante on actually um, in the last in the last year or two and um, I think it's paying dividends because we're getting a, a customer and a partner um, view as well at the same time. Well I, I'm sure that the foodies out there are salivating at the idea of uh, being able to be um, uh, uh, on a panel to, to help influence uh, things in the future. Um, Martin, uh, which elements of the budget plan are you most excited about? For me, I have to, you know, as a chef and as an ultimate foodie, the, the bit for me was about pioneering, pioneering positive change within the food industry. It really resonates highly with me as a chef. You know, so I get driven uh, by the need to reduce food waste. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily just mean in... In, in my home or our customers' homes, but also within our stores and ultimately with our suppliers. I, you know, the opportunity to work directly in this area and affect positive change um, for the food industry really resonates highly with me. But I know Natalie's got some some thoughts on the plan as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm clearly excited about the, the retail customers love proliferate for obvious reasons. Um, and, and I often talk to the team actually about um, being responsible for, you know, the crown jewels of the Waitrose business, which is which is our product and making sure that we're going to be the ultimate destination for fantastic food and drink. So for me, you know, dialing up quality even further. So, you know, not just being good quality food, but having exceptional quality food, stepping that up yet, an, you know, another gear, I think is fantastic. Um, and ethics, you know, it's, it's we know that ethics and sustainability really matter to both, you know, our, our partners and our customers. And therefore, you know, placing more, even more emphasis in that, in that area within the partnership plan, I think is really exciting for us as a team because we know that we've got more to do and more areas that we can dial, dial up in this space. I think there's certainly uh, a lot more to come out of the partnership plan and, and the more that partners uh, learn about it, the more they'll be excited. Um, Martin, you're a very creative chef, so it'd be lovely to get an, to find out where you get your ideas from uh, and how do you choose which ones go ahead and which ones you leave for maybe a rainy day? Well, thanks for that, Bupesh. I do like to think of myself as a, a creative individual and that can often frustrate people as much as people can embrace it because, you know, I do like to think of um, of my team in particular. You know, I we really will take some ideas from the sublime to the ridiculous and it's really exciting to see how some of these ideas manifest and, and end up um, often out of the most off the cuff kind of uh, statements. So we have a, a number of sources of reference that we look towards. Um, these are both internal and external. So we have trend agencies that we subscribe to that will feed us in some really, you know, big picture stuff, what's happening, not only within the UK, not only, and, and actually, um, more relevant to us is, is the food service world. So the restaurants, the quick service restaurants um, from the UK, but also globally, which is um, incredibly important. And we also have some internal sources of reference too. So we know how our customers are shopping now. And then 
therefore we can predict how they how they might shop within the future. We then overlay the two different sources of ref reference, so we can start to build pictures and join dots on you know the the little links between the two. Because bearing in mind, you know, this world, this this year aside, our customers are traveling more. They're experiencing more global cuisine. They're discovering new flavors, and you know, we have such a you know a great customer base that embrace world flavors and new ingredients, and and really trust us to bring the uh, the newness to them. That we we have a responsibility to make sure we can we continue to do that. So my team work collaboratively shifting through the information basically acting as i suppose translators is a, is a word that i often use um to basically make sense of that data to see what it means for our customers and then the chefs within my team turn that into something that can actually be seen eaten and then ultimately replicated by our suppliers so we're always looking in in various spaces we we go out and eat at restaurants we've not been able to do that so much this year so we've been experiencing some of the the restaurants and meal kits that are available because that's what our customers have been doing and then we we will basically work through a process of of showcasing that at um ideation sessions where we will take our product developers through what the future might look like in their categories we will then repeat that process with their most trusted suppliers. So they're really on that bus with us. It will then be managed through a process, again, leaning on the expertise of my team in terms of the taste, flavors, textures, and, and seeing how closely they, they really do relate to that gold standard that we created in the first place. And then finally, to, to choose which ones go ahead, we have a weekly product panel that Natalie has sat on um, for, for many years now. It, it's, it's one of the highlights of my week. Um, and it's this product panel that we sign off every new product that proceeds to launch. So there'll be myself, um, the head of own brand, Emma Beale, would sit there as well. The head of technical, Cheryl, will sit there. And we may have a representation from buying as well. And this is where we get to see the benchmark products um, to see how our proposed product will be placed in the market. We're able to scrutinize the, the reviews on the similar products online or indeed how the product that it's about to replace has fared to make sure that we're really addressing our customers' comments, making sure we're listening to the customer on every opportunity. And then we get to taste the products as well to, to ensure that it really is the quality and standards that we expect. It's a difficult part of the job, Martin, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, how many times, I, you know, I... I will struggle to count how many times I get told um, by the people I meet that I really do have the best job. And it's really hard to argue with them most of the time. I think, uh, I, I think Martin, you might be in, uh, in a tie with uh, chocolate tasters. But, um, I, well, I, I get to do that as well. So, <laughs> you know, you, you, really, you really do get the, the sweet, the savoury, the bakery, the, the sauces. You get to see absolutely everything. And that's really important because it's only by having true visibility of what our customers are going to see by by tasting testing and scrutinizing every product that we you know we, we need to make sure that we are fully bought into that we are confident that it meets our high standards um and it, you know that that's really important that we do that that's brilliant um thanks martin um 
you've both given us uh, a great idea of kind of all the work that goes in uh, on uh, behind the scenes that uh, partners and customers never see. But if you are a partner listening to this or, or you know, uh, and customers too, um, Natalie, how can they get involved to support the work uh, your team is doing? I think there's a couple of things here, actually. Um, and, and one of them might seem really quite mundane, but I, I guess I can't stress enough how important it is. And, and that's about recording complaints data, actually. Um, I mean, the, the, the quality team back at Bratnell, they, they really do use this data to improve what we do. And we monitor really, really closely. So, you know, even if we've got a spike in complaints over a, over a couple of days or a week, that's taken really quite seriously by our quality team, as you would expect. And, you know, to the extent that we pick up that information and, and within a few you know, days or possibly even hours, a meeting has been set up so that, that, you know, that includes the, the product developer, the technologist, the, the buyer. And they seek um, to understand whether what they're seeing is what they originally set out to launch. So if, if it's not right, they agree what needs to change and they change it as soon as possible. So the complaints data piece of this is really, really critical to, um, I guess, making sure that we're on top of quality um, all the time. It's been a bit challenging, to be honest, during lockdown. Um, so we've had to do that a little bit more virtually. But um, even so, we are monitoring it um, within an inch of its life, quite frankly. The, the, the other thing that I would probably say is, and, and there's a bit of a mantra, actually, within product innovation, which is, the standard you walk by is the standard you accept. And so I guess my ask of everybody actually is to encourage anyone that sees a product that really looks like it's lacking in quality or isn't quite how it should be, you know, that every single partner within the business feels empowered to raise it and highlight it to the centre because, you know, our branch partners are working with product day in, day out. Um, and, you know, if they see something they don't think is right, that you know, raise it and, um, and we can do something about it. And Martin, would you say that's broadly similar for your team? Absolutely. I can't help but agree with everything that Natalie said there. You know, we can only improve things by getting accurate data. My team lives and breathes as much as we're creatives. We need great data to make sure that what we're creating is on track for our customers. But also um, the slight difference for my team and something that I would love uh, partners and, and, and listeners to get involved with is that we do have a, a virtual FIS, Fizz Food Innovation Studio, Google Currents page. And we'd love to get people interacting with us on there to um, not only maybe ask us questions that we could feature on our podcast, but also, and probably more importantly, you know, the, the people listening are our partners. We, we all eat. We all have our own favourites. We all have our own experiences with food. And it would be great if we could get people engaging with us to potentially highlight gaps within our ingredients that prevent people and, and, and our customers that we would speak to from recreating their authentic and cultural flavours and dishes at home. So if there are gaps in the ranges, if there are ingredients that we might be missing, we would love to hear about those because we want our partners to be able to shop with us. And, and if we're not offering those solutions, then we want to hear about it. And, you know, the, the product possibilities that stem from that might be really exciting and really help us maintain our edge. And partners can uh, find um, that uh, community on Google Currents if they search for it. Um, it is uh, coming up to Christmas and uh, everyone loves a present. So, Martin, what can we expect on your Christmas list from John Lewis? Do you know what? I, I, I have very simple tastes and generally I get told to ask for things that benefit my household. So um, I 
during during lockdown number one, not only had I just um, started a new job, but I also had my house in which I live, which used to be my grandparents' house, redeveloped. So I had to move out and, and then move back in twice. So our old Christmas decorations now no longer fit with the, the look and feel and decor of, of the house as it now stands. So I've been told that the moment John Lewis opens that I need to go and purchase the copper bauble garland as it is absolutely going to fit in with the colour scheme of our of our nice new living room. Well, that sounds fantastic. Uh, Natalie, uh, what, what will you be asking for from John Lewis? Well, if I've if I've dropped a hint, I think I've dropped it a thousand times. So it'll be interesting to see whether that's been listened to. But I I've I saw a, um, a, a like a faux fur throw in John Lewis quite some time ago. So I've had my eyes on it, and it was quite a while ago, obviously before lockdown. Had my eye eyes on it for well, actually I say it. It might be one or two of them, which might be pushing it a bit, but. They're really luxurious and, and really heavy and beautifully soft. So I'm hoping one's going to appear on the 25th. Oh, wow. Well, I hope you both get um, the presents you uh, wish for uh, this Christmas. Um, and uh, obviously, we need to talk about Christmas dinner. So, Natalie, what will you be having uh, this Christmas? So I'm, not, I'm normally pretty prepared, actually, and organised. And I haven't organised a lot uh, this year so far. But what I can, there's two things I would say. Um, I'm definitely a traditional Christmas person, so definitely a turkey, a turkey crown, and I think it's quite interesting because we were thinking about um, whether uh, portion sizes would change as a result of going into lockdown, and, and we're only, it's only going to be a bubble of six in, in my house on, on Christmas Day, So, uh, but I'm still going to order a crown or have ordered a crown for 12, as we do love a bit of a turkey roll in the evening, but I guess if we wanted to mix it up a bit, a bit of experimentation, I've also bought the Heston Sherry and Balsamic Vinegar Christmas pudding, which has been um, 12 months matured. So I'm looking forward to trying that on Christmas Day. That sounds like it's going to be a brilliant dinner at your house. Um, how about you, Martin? Uh, can we expect something chefy? Do you know what? Up here in Yorkshire, we do like to be quite traditional. So I am keeping, keeping the tradition. So I have my number one dry-aged bronze turkey on order but um clearly as you'd probably expect with me i do like to put a bit of a twist on things so for the past i think three or four years now i actually barbecue my turkey um every christmas and people might listening might think that's a little bit strange but i i honestly i absolutely adore it you know christmas is all about special food and for me barbecuing food is very special there is something about that little lick of flame that little hint of smoke that transforms food for me and you know i say why not with a turkey as well but the other um, reason is that it frees up the oven um, for more of the other awesome things so i can just fit in more roast potatoes into that oven more of the fantastic pigs in blankets and i i just love that whole experience of of keeping it traditional but extra special and doing something that actually it, it really is delicious in the end and then absolutely i will be doing my christmas pudding sliced up and barbecued at the same time as well so a little bit different all the the classic um flavors and formats just cooked with a little bit of a difference so partners have heard it here first they need to get their barbecues out and uh get their turkeys in there, and of course, load up on uh, roast potatoes. Um, Natalie, 
Has lockdown and the pandemic changed what you think customers will want from Waitrose in the future? Yes, I, I, I do quite significantly, actually. I mean, I, I think um, from both a personal and um, a professional uh, perspective, I, you know, I think there are real irrevocable changes to, to our lives, quite frankly. Um, so I think there's, there's lots that, that, that has and will change as a result. I mean, there's, there's a whole host, whole host of things. I mean, financial constraints. But, so we know that value for money is going to be really important for our customers going forward. It could be the shift to online, which we know has been exponential. Um, and making sure that we've got um, you know, the right ranges to meet, to meet the needs of our online customers. It could be localism. because We know that localism really matters. So um, we know that customers have bought more British. And actually, they've bought a lot more closer to home as well. So very local producers. Um, so we need to make sure that our plans reflect that mindset. Um, you know, corporate responsibility. I think some of those underlying trends that, that maybe dropped off a little bit as we went into first lockdown. So the likes of plastics, which was really high on people's agendas, probably waned a little um, during lockdown. But they are definitely re-emerging. And we need to make sure that we really forge ahead on our um, ambitious plans in, in, in the packaging arena. Um, health and well-being, we need to go further and faster on that. Um, remote working, we know that customers are, you know, they're, they're eating patterns. If it's anything like my household, I'm eating differently, probably being a bit more rigid in terms of how and when I eat and, and the degree of scratch picking. So definitely need to tap into that opportunity. And then, you know, attitudes to something like travel, um, it has really changed as well. So, to be honest, home is the new holiday, really, isn't it? So, um, trying trying to reflect those trends as well in the short to medium term. Well, talking to you both, uh, I, I'm definitely feeling very hungry. <laughs> I better sort that out. But I'd like to thank Natalie Mitchell and uh, Martin Lee for joining us today. Thank you. Thank Thanks you very much. much. Much appreciated. Hi everyone, James here, Exec Director for Waitrose. Uh, I've been asked to record a little piece on uh, how I've spent my time since I joined and a little bit on my vision for Waitrose uh, coming out of the partnership plan. So I hope this works for you. So it's safe to say that time has flown since I started the role at the end of April this year. Uh, that's seven months of my life that's gone very, very quickly and I bet in the circumstances uh, for you all it's been a year like no other. <clears throat> I think some of the things I observed when I first arrived are still true. We could still do things more quickly, more efficiently maybe. We could be more connected across the divisions between the different parts of the partnership and definitely between the branches and the head office. So all of those things I'm excited to start work on the changes for. My vision in the end for the Waitrose Estate is that we are an even better version of ourselves, I guess, the ultimate destination for food and drink where quality, ethics and service really matter. Um, there are some key elements to that. So we've got to go and be out there where the customers are. The big obvious examples of that are online where we've done a huge amount of work and there's lots more opportunity to go for, um, to invest in our stores, to make them a really exciting sensory experience where customers love to come and do their shopping and engage with our partners and our different service um, metrics like counters cafes but also other things we can do to build that experience in store for that to work those stores have to be uh, efficient we have to be more productive 
and we have to look end to end about how we make that work how everyone in the partnership in who influences waitrose can work together to create time create more productive time for the store partners the branch partners to be facing customers and doing their doing the job they do best which is representing the partnership brilliantly for those customers i think it's going to be really important to um, explore new channels potentially. You've heard probably about our trial with Deliveroo. There are other things we can do to make sure that the Waitrose brand reaches as many potential Waitrose customers as possible. And I think the um, the plan lays out lots of investments so we can reach those customers in different ways. And not least of which, of course, is the money we're investing in our existing store estate and potentially some new stores over the next five years. And it'd be exciting to see how that how we put that jigsaw together for Waitrose. I wanted to say, first of all, uh, as well, that it's really important that I uh, acknowledge how much hard work and effort has gone in from all the branch partners and all the head office partners, just even to get us to this point of the year. It's been a tough year like no other, as, as I'm sure everyone keeps saying to you. The amount of effort, discretionary effort, um, the customer-facing time and uh, the amount of teamwork required to deliver for our customers this year has been incredible. And I think when we look back, probably we'll see it as one of the pivotal years of the partnership where we pulled together, did things differently and really did step forward for our customers when they needed us the most. I guess it's going to be really interesting and exciting about how we build on that momentum, how we strengthen and deepen those relationships with our customers. But most of all, I wanted to recognise the amount of effort that's taken from on everyone, the amount of discretionary effort um, and hard work that's gone into this year and making it the year it's been but also facing forwards. And I know peak is going to be a peak like no other. Uh, so we've just finished Black Friday. We're still running through those numbers and a huge effort goes into that. And yet we're still facing into the Christmas peak in Waitrose, which will be busy. The customers will be uh, desperate and keen to get the products they're after. They'll need answers. They'll need great service. And I know they'll get it from all of our branch partners. Um, so it's a quick message to say thanks in advance for everything I know you're going to do for our customers going into peak. Um, and I hope, despite everything that's gone on, that you do get to spend quality time with your loved ones over this festive period because uh, maybe, again, in no other year like it, you've earned that time and I hope you get it and I hope you enjoy it. Um, with luck, I'll see some of you out in branches over the next four weeks. If I don't, um, I hope to come and find you soon. Thanks very much. I hope this episode was insightful and it has given you all clarity to see how the partnership plan is coming to life. Make sure to come back next time to hear more about the partnership plan and how partners from across our business are already working to make this plan a reality. In the meantime, stay safe and have a lovely week.